Amen. Have a seat and good morning. It's fun to be before you this morning. I miss you. I don't know if you miss me, but I miss you. And uh, um, my name is Mike McKay, for those of you who don't know me, and one of the pastors at the Cypress Branch, and it's a joy to be here before you. And, you know, I really want to encourage you to uh, go through that Lenten devotional. Uh, Lent is a, a, a something our founding church fathers way back when set up for us to, to make space, to make space to be able to prepare for Easter. Sometimes Easter, oh, hey, it's Easter. We do just there, but we want to prepare to help us be ready for that wonderful celebration. You know, we take months and months and months to prepare for a wedding, and it lasted just a second. <laughs> and yet we don't take any time to prepare. And so I encourage you to, to, to make that space a daily space to read through that devotional, uh, put it as an addendum to maybe something you already else do, but uh, use that opportunity because it'll be a wonderful uh, moment for you. And especially as you get towards Easter, it'll be just, an Easter will become a, a wonderful time. Well, take your Bibles, if you will, and open up to Matthew chapter 17, what Eliana read for you this morning, and we're going to be delving into that, uh, verses 1 to 13. Now, in this series, uh, as you know... Um, we are uh, covering a lot of scripture, and sometimes the, uh, the Cypress campus covers one section, and sometimes you guys uh, at the branch cover a different section, and we encourage you to go online and listen to them both. Well, t- today, Justin and I are handling the same passage, and he's over at the, at the Cypress campus doing that, so if you want to hear the, the real truth, just go to the, you know, or listen to the, uh, that, or if you're just used to his voice and really want to hear him again or hear his insight, Justin has uh, amazing insights. I always love his perspective and stuff like that, and love listening to his preaching, and so I do all the time. But uh, uh, do you guys have Bibles available? If, if, any, if, if you guys need Bibles, uh, wave your hands on me. Oh, you guys have one? Okay. Also, anybody need some? There needs some Bibles over here. Um, also, uh, Brent's passing out a, uh, a, a study page. Uh, you, uh, grab one of these. It's, uh, I do this all the time at the Cypress campus, mostly because People say to me, Micah, we, we don't get all the fill-in-the-blanks that you give, and if you open up it into your worship folder, into the uh, notes section, you know I give some fill-in-the-blanks, but I also give a lot of scriptures. I mean, I give a lot of scriptures, and people are writing those down saying, Mike, we need help, so this is your help. This is your cheat sheet to your notes. Matter of fact, you could just kind of just take this and take your notes right on here, and you'd be just fine, because all the underlined words, those are the words you fill in. It's a little hint for you. I'm here to help you. So... But you'll want to take this and, and, and study this later because all those verses I'm going to be mentioning up this morning and just kind of going through them rapidly, I may not look it up all of them, but I encourage you to uh, uh, do uh, take that study guide and use it as a study guide for maybe your home Bible study as you do that devotional and, as well and, and do that. But, you know, uh, uh, Garrick con- con- uh, uh, commented on the cold weather today, but pff, cold weather. I mean... I mean, I lived in Alaska. I've been at 70 below. I know what cold is. But we've had a lot of guests um, at, at, at the Cypress campus from, from out of town, and they just love this weather because some are from back east, and they're going, man, this is the coldest weather we've ever seen in our lives. And, and they're calling this weather amazing. Uh, they're, they're even describing it glorious. I actually heard on the news that weather is glorious. And that's kind of a churchy word with a divine flair. But there's a lot of things that we call glorious. Some desserts are called glorious. Oh, there's that beautiful sweetness there. Or some cars 
are called glorious. Uh, other times the sunsets are glorious, and, and pretty much for me, anything chocolate is glorious. Uh, but also, uh, there's even glorious catches. Now, Justin, uh, uh, as you know, Pastor Justin, being excited about the Seattle Seahawks, there's a, a glorious catch that was in the uh, Super Bowl that actually we were actually talking about this this past week, and, and to hear him reminisce as he kind of smiled about that glorious catch that was made that he felt like, okay, now we're actually maybe going to win this game. But the truth is the Patriots were just more glorious and, uh, um, in that. But glory is, uh, uh, is difficult to define. You have to see it, uh, experience it to get the idea of what glorious means. And that is a true understanding as we take a look at the glory of God. For, for grasping or beholding the glory of God is a vital importance. Uh, John Piper, uh, an amazing Christian theologian, uh, a thinker, uh, a pastor, said this, the vindication of God's glory is the grounds for our salvation, and the exaltation of God's glory is the goal of our salvation. He went on to say this, God's glory is the goal of all things. God's glory is the unifying glory, a goal of history. God's glory is the source and sum of all full and lasting joy. But God's glory is difficult to describe. It's kind of like describing beauty. It's difficult to describe. And, and yet we see God's glory in his holiness. For the glory of God is the beauty of God's holiness. And again, John Piper uh, brings in and defines glory as the holiness of God gone public. Now, now holiness is the ultimate perfection of God. His incomparable greatness, his unmeasurable worth, his incalculable value. There is none like him. He is a level all to himself, distinct, separate, the highest example of excellence, flawless, faultless, lacking in nothing, true completeness, complete in himself. His holiness is. And it can't be added to or or taken from. And the expression of his holiness is his glory, the beauty of holiness, the vision of holiness. Psalm uh, 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. We see the glory of God in the vastness of the sky. I mean, some of the skies have been pretty clear these nights, and even though we have city lights, you still can look up and see stars. And it's just amazing. And if you ever take a telescope and look beyond those or go up to the mountains and you just go, wow, how amazing it is. It just, it just goes and goes and goes. And you see that scientists and, and, and uh, those who look at the stars, they, they see more and more and more constellations and galaxies out there. And you see the glory of God. Uh, Isaiah 6, uh, in verse 3, Isaiah was uh, having this vision and, and that he saw angels talking and going back and forth, and, and they were talking to him, and he received this call there. But in verse 3 of, of Isaiah 6, he said, And one called to another, and an angel called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his, and you expect them to say holiness, but instead it says glory, because the holiness of God put on display is glory. That's glory. Glory is, is power, as Colossians 1, 11. And you can look that up later. <clears throat> Use your study guide. Look it up later. But the, 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 God's glory is power. 
God's glory is light. In Revelation 21, verse 23, it it talks about the glory of God filling the earth and, and creating light for us. The glory of God is awesome, as Psalm 24, verse 7 and 8 say. And Jesus is the scene of God's glory. Hebrews 1, 3. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's Jesus in his glory, as well as, as, as uh, John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen God's glory through Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we're to grasp and behold the glory of Jesus, the glory of God, to take it in, to see it, to hold it, and then to reflect out his glory to others. Matter of fact, 2 Corinthians 3.18 talks about how we're to behold the glory of God. That word behold means to take in and reflect out. We're to see it, grasp it, and then reflect it out. But as we see it and grasp it, it has an effect on us. But when we hold God's glory, we are changed. We are challenged. We are encouraged. We're built up. We're transformed. And it's this trait of Jesus, his, his gloriness is what we're studying this morning as we continue in this series in the dust of the rabbi. Now, as you know, as you, you've seen this uh, 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 on, your, on your outline here, this Jesus walking along, uh, the idea is that in, in the old times, and you've, you've seen some of the write-ups as we've been talking about this series, is that when people would want to learn from somebody, a rabbi, they would follow them, literally follow them. And in the honor position, they would be behind him. That's why Jesus said to Peter, get behind me last week. He wants to get back to the honor position because Peter was putting himself out in front of Jesus when he made that claim, you shall not die. But we're we're to to follow Jesus and we're to to notice and be so close following him that the literal dust from his sandals get on us. In other words, figuratively, that the the wisdom that he has, this teacher has, would come on us. That that we would see and and experience not only how he does things and, and mimic his movements, but also let his dust, his wisdom, settle on us. And so we are, we've been following Jesus in the dust of the rabbi, seeking to learn about who Jesus is and how we should live life, how we should live life his way. So in Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 13, Jesus brings three of his disciples on an experience that for them will be a, a, a defining instance, one of those aha moments of life a time where they saw the glory of Jesus and were forever changed. And and so can we, as we study this passage this morning, giving us four choices to behold Jesus' glory. And as is my custom, set your books aside and stand up. Let's pray as we launch into this. And I am so excited to share this with you this morning. But I believe God has you here for a purpose. You didn't just come here by accident. I mean, sure, you might have planned to be here and and all that, but God had you here for a reason. There's something he wants to say to you. There's something he wants to do in your life. We want to ask him to be teaching us, and that we would be open to him. So let's do that right now. Father, thank you for the the privilege it is to take in your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you would meet each one of us at our point of need, teach us, challenge us, encourage us, help us to behold your glory this morning. Lord, thank you. Speak to us in that innermost part of our life. Holy Spirit, do a work in our heart even this morning, we pray. 
in your son's name. Amen. Have a seat. You know, you've got your outline there uh, in your worship folder to fill in the blanks, or you can write on your study guide, and we'll go through that as well as we spend this time together this morning. So, <clears throat> four choices to behold Jesus' glory. The first is to be led to glory. So let's look at our passage, verse 1, Matthew 17. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. Now, they were staying in Caesarea Philippi, and they traveled to a high mountain, either Mount Hermon or Mount Tabor. I don't know if you can see this picture of the Holy Land over there, but Jerusalem is kind of below this. You can't see it. It's in the black. Right now, but uh, there's a Sea of Galilee, uh, the first, the small red arrow, that Caesarea Philippi, Mount Hermon is, is uh, uh, up above that, and Mount Tabor is below the Sea of Galilee. We're not sure what mountain they went to. It had to be a high mountain. Some even suggest there's a few more, which are smaller, but those are the two highest in the area. And so they, they went and eat, uh, uh, quite a distance. Uh, not an easy trek, but these guys went where Jesus led. They went where Jesus led is because they trusted him. They saw him heal the sick. They saw him give sight to the blind. They saw them cause the lame to walk, to con the sea, to turn water into wine. And sure, they were skeptical at times. But as they followed Jesus, they grew to trust and grasp his glory. Now, we may say that's, that's all fine and good. I mean, if I'd see a few miracles or maybe even see some healings or at least some answered prayer, then I really would trust God. But the truth is, we have seen it all. It's all written right in the Bible. These accurate, verifiable accounts of that. And what we have more than they do is we know that Jesus rose from the grave. That he is alive. That he didn't just die there on on that cross and then that was it. On the third day, he came out of the tomb very much alive. Hundreds of people saw him. They tried to put it down and deny it, but they couldn't deny the fact that Jesus is alive. No one has ever done that. Christianity is not just one other religion. It's the only one that we're, the, the leader says, I'm going to be killed and rise again. And he's the only one who has risen and he is alive. And we have that reality that the resurrection is the, 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 the crowning authenticity of everything Jesus said. That you can take the word of God and trust it in anything that is said in there. You can know it's truth because Jesus rose from the dead. We have that ability, that ability to trust in him. The question is, will you trust in Jesus enough to really follow him? You don't have to know much. Just follow. Learn who Jesus is and learn how to practice life his way. Let me give you just five quick ways of of following Jesus and and ways. First is to love God. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus was asked what's the greatest thing that we should do in following God. And Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, body, and soul. So one of the greatest things you can do to follow Jesus is, yes, know about him, that he is God, and and, and, and the triune nature of God. But yes, that we are to love God with all of our heart. And that's that means to worship, to take time and to, to be in awe of God, to learn about how wonderful and amazing and incredible, beautiful matchless he is. We're also to love others. As Matthew 22, verse 39 said, this, said the first is to love God with all of your heart, mind, body, and soul. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. 
That means that we're to reach out to other people. We're to care about people. And one of the main, the main reason we even started this branch is so that we would love this part of the world. So that this community would, would, would love in a very practical way this community of Los Alamitos, Seal Beach area, and beyond. To reach out and to help the hurting. We're also to love one another. John 13, 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you should love one another. In other words, that we should work at fellowship. We should work at belonging. We should work at developing relationships with each other. That's why life groups are so important and so important to our church. We share life together in those. And we develop belonging. Not just sitting here at a church and looking forward and singing a little bit and meeting, shaking hands once in a while, but actually sharing life with other people. And not only that, to do good works. Ephesians 2.10, that we were created to do good works for God. And that's to serve him. And also to learn. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That we are to be constantly learning as we go along. I can't tell you how many times I've read through the Bible. It's, 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 I, I just can't remember. I've read through it so many times. Every, it seems like every seminary class I had, they said, oh, read the Bible. I, I would say, which part? And they said, the, the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> I'm studying Romans. I'm studying Romans. I don't care. Read the whole Bible so you understand where it fits. But every time I read that, there's so much more to glean. It's like this hidden treasure. There's another level and another level and another level. And we can continue to grow. And so following Jesus, we are to behold his glory. We will grasp as we trust and follow him and be able to reflect Jesus' glory as we live life his way. Well, I saw this so vividly this past Tuesday night. I got to tell you about it. Um, I, I lead a, a life group at the Cypress uh, campus. And you can come to it if you'd like. It's on Tuesdays at 7 o'clock. And uh, it's open to anybody and and we have about 20 people so far in there. And Jeanette is, is, is in there. And she, um, uh, we've been praying for Jeanette. We started to share life together. Yeah, Christy goes there. And um, uh, we, uh, um, we're, we're praying for her because she had a PET scan to see if her cancer had returned. And uh, uh, unfortunately, it had. But you would not even know because she came in smiling, actually kind of beaming. And she began to share her story and how much she trusts Jesus, even in the midst of this fourth time with cancer, now in her liver. And just an incredible trust, an amazing trust. And she would say, you know, hey, he has never failed me before. And if I die, I get heaven. What better is that? And she is just sharing uh, the, the, the story. And, and a lot of us are just, you know, we don't know whether to cry or laugh with her. But yet the expression on her face, and what's even more amazing is that right across the table from her was Carol, who for the first time expressed that she has cancer. That's the glory of God. And when you have that in you and have that incredible, amazing trust in you, it just comes out and you reflect it and it affects other people. Just like Jeanette was able to affect Carol and really all of us. I was blessed and just, she reflected the glory of Christ like none other. And we can too, as we grasp and trust and be led to glory as we follow Jesus. The next choice to behold God's glory is to be awed by glory. Let's look at this amazing scene. Eliana read it for us, but let me read it again. And he, that's Jesus, 
was transformed before him and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking to them. And Peter said, Lord, it's so good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, then behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And the disciples heard this and fell on their face and were terrified. You think so? (laughs) I mean, if you were on that scene, you would do the same thing. But let's unpack this awesome scene. Now, remember... These disciples had not seen the special effects in movies. Uh, They may have seen some spectacular storms, the thunder, but never had seen Jesus or anyone else transfigured. The word means transformed or morphed, uh, uh, changed. His skin was beaming, not just a bright expression on his face, but a, a luminescence like sunlight. His clothes turned dazzling, brilliant white all signifying purity and sovereignty and glory. That's Jesus, the glorious image of God, the God of glory, as Colossians 1.15 says. And again, you can look it up that later. The, power, the powerful creator of all we see, as Colossians 1.16 says, and the one who sits on the throne of thrones, as, as Revelation 4 describes this amazing scene that the Apostle John saw, this, this throne above thrones where the one who sits on the throne was glorious. That's Jesus. And these guys were shaken with awe because they saw Jesus in his glory. The question is, do you? We're to be amazed, to be awed, to be astonished with the awesomeness of Jesus. Write these down, even if you've got the study sheet, they should be on there. But Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20, talks about the amazingness of Christ who created all that we see. And Philippians 2, 5 through 11, it talks about how he humbled himself, becoming a servant, and even being willing to go to the cross. Especially those passages. But as you read your Bible, learn of Jesus. Don't just learn of, of what you receive from that or how to live, but learn of Jesus. And be in awe of how amazing, incredible, and awesome, and beautiful, and majestic Jesus is. Be awed by the glory of Jesus, the name above all names. In this transfigured scene of Jesus, they saw Moses and Elijah, both historically seen as examples of Christ and illustrations of of the aspect of God's glory. Now, I'm not sure how they recognize him. Do they have a name tag? Hey, I'm Moses. Uh, maybe one was holding the Ten Commandments, another was holding something else. You know, I, I don't know, but somehow they recognize them as that. Moses, through his um, leadership in, in uh, being God's mouthpiece, being, being God's uh, uh, spokesman, uh, uh, led God's people out of the bondage of Egypt. He was an example how Jesus leads us out of the bondage of sin. Uh, the Bible is really clear that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That sin, as as Isaiah said, separates us from God. We're on this side, uh, a sinful man, and holy God is on this side. And there's no way to, to bridge the gap. We were born as part of our DNA. Every single one of us are sinful. We all have issues and problems, even the person next to you. 
has issues and problems, and we all have them. We're all sinful and fallen short of the glory of God, and, and yet, try as we might, we can't bridge the gap, and that's why we need a Savior. That's why Jesus came, to bridge that gap, to give us that, that opportunity to be covered by his blood, by his death, and to be able to be, have a relationship with God. Many of you have made that decision, but if you've never yet made the decision to believe, because how you grasp it, a hold of what Christ has done on the cross for you is to believe. Believe means we understand that we're sinful and that we need a Savior, and that Jesus is that Savior, and then we commit our life to living it his way. That's what saving faith is. And many of you have done that. If you haven't yet, I encourage you to come talk to one of us afterwards. Uh, you can email me. My email's on the uh, page there. Or, or you can talk to, to Brett or to Pastor Justin or any, any one of the uh, leaders here. You can talk to them about that. I encourage you to make sure that you know. But Moses also gave out God's law, the revelation of the holiness of God. Remember, glory is holiness gone public. God is, the, is perfect and requires perfection, and why, again, we need that Savior. And Moses is revered because of that, because he brought the law and adds another level to the awesomeness of the scene. Elijah, too, a powerful, awe-giving prophet of God, revealing the power and judgment and authoritative voice of God, showing off God's glory and the miraculous things that he did and bringing more awe to the moment. Then there was this, this bright cloud, Again, a well-known sign of God's glory. Uh, Exodus 40, verses 34 and 35, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Or 1 Kings 8, verses uh, uh, 10 to 11, it says, the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. But not only that, there was this voice from the cloud, God's proclamation, listen to Jesus. <laughs> it's too much. These guys uh, fall to the ground, smitten with awe. And again, are we? Do we choose to be awed by the glory of God? We're to sit back and to be amazed. To, to, to take a look outside and, and look up at the stars. To be amazed at the makeup of the universe, the order, the balance, the design. I'm sorry, but it didn't just explode and happen. God hand-put them out there. Actually, has named every single one of the stars. But even that, the, the miracle of the of the human body and all its parts that fit together is, is miraculous. I mean, a new baby being born, it just, it's amazing. The miraculous handiwork of God. I have two, uh, uh, one daughter-in-law and one daughter who are with child right now, and they're, they're, they're growing, and it's just neat to see the pictures inside and just go, wow. God could take two little cells and put them together. Wow! There's a baby in there! And you see the baby start to move, you know, and you're going, that's just so excited. I cannot wait. I already got one grandson. Got to hold him this morning, little Moses. But the human body, and, and, and some say, oh, we just evolved. It is mathematically impossible for all of the systems to come together as they have, even in the human body. I mentioned this before, but the enzymatic makeup of our body, you know that we have enzymes in our body. And these enzymes have to be at a perfect balance for us to survive. If it's out of balance just a little bit, we get deathly sick or simply just expire. It is mathematically impossible for all of those enzymatic uh, features to line up to create the balance that we have in our body. It is simply mathematically impossible. It can't just happen, no matter how much time you give. 
God created us. And the beauty of his creation, the plants and animals, the species, the systems, scream out his glory. Romans 1, verses 19 and 24. What can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal powers and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So take in the glory of God. Be in awe and behold his glory. When we let the awesome reality of Jesus take over us, we are actually viewing the glory of God. We're beginning to grasp it. And now we have the honor to reveal it to others. For behold is to take it in and to let it like a mirror shine out. The question is, will you be awed? Just this morning, this is not in the notes, so you have to write this down. Just this morning, I was studying again this this one verse, Psalms 27.4. Write that down. It's a prayer of David. Psalm 27, verse 4. David says, one thing I ask from the Lord. And he asks the desire to know and be awed by God. One thing I ask is desire to, to, to be in the, in the temple of the Lord, to be in the tent of the Lord, to be in the presence of God. We ask for so many things. We desire so many things. But let our one desire be in that presence of God and be awed by him. We are to be awed by the glory of God. Another choice to behold Jesus' glory is to be touched by glory. Look at verses 7 and 8 of our text in Matthew 17. After they were, fell on their faces and terrified, but Jesus came to them, touched them, saying, Rise, have no fear. And when they lifted their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus. Have you ever been touched by Jesus? I mean, not, not literally, <laughs> but have that hope-giving, encouraging sense that's, that's going to be okay. Jeanette had that touch. As she uh, uh, sensed God's presence in her life and felt that touch of Christ and had perfect peace. I, I, I was in a, um, in a hospital with uh, um, Jim Hoffner. Some of you know Jim Hoffner. Jim Hoffner is our um, business administrator of, of this one church. And, uh, and he had a procedure in the hospital. And I went to visit him shortly after. I think he was still a little bit on drugs. That, that's my favorite time to visit people, by the way, is when they're still a little bit on drugs. Because they're so fun to talk to. Um, but anyways, Jim was there, and he goes, oh, Mike, I got to tell you something. And I, and I said, what? He goes, you know, before I went under, I, he goes, I just had this, I, 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 I didn't really see Jesus. I go, well, good, Jim, because if, he was, if, he said, if you were seeing Jesus saying, come here, you know, <laughs> that would be something else to talk about. But he said that, he said, no, I, I felt the presence of God, and I actually felt like he had his hand on my shoulder. And it was, Mike, it was amazing. I had this incredible Peace flow over my body, and I was no longer afraid. I had no fear because he had a touch of Jesus. In that sense, and I know Jim. Jim has a wonderful relationship with the Lord and really draws into him and has a great prayer life and seeks to to know Jesus more and more and more. And he wants to stay close to him. And the reason these disciples were able to get a touch of Christ is because they were there in his presence. We are to follow him, to be close to him, to be awed by him, which means that we're surrendered like we talked about last week, and know him. The question is, will you? Will you take that opportunity to make that space to get close to Jesus, to spend time in his word, and to pray and talk to him and develop that relationship? There's no other way. 
that's why I love when it says here, they saw no one but Jesus. See, it's not found in any religious act. Uh, not coming to church in attendance by giving or serving. It's found in a life given over, surrendered, staying close to Jesus, learning about him through his word and spending time with him in prayer and talking with him and developing that relationship so that when you may be there on your hospital bed praying, you can sense that touch of peace uh, of Christ and feel, feel that peace in your body. But not just then, but all the time. Getting it close to Jesus and you will be touched by glory. One more choice to behold Jesus' glory is to be instructed by glory. Verse 9. Matthew 17. And they were coming down the mountain. Jesus commanded them, tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. The disciples asked, why then, so did the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And he answered, Elijah does come and will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come. And they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. There, there, there's something to learn as we experience the glory of Jesus. It's not just some awesome occurrence that happens that we can take a picture of and put it on you know, uh, Instagram or, or, or tweet about it or put it on Facebook or tell our friends about it. Now, we should do that because that's part of the reflecting of God's glory. That's what it means to be whole. We're also to learn from these glory experiences, these defining moments. Just as Jesus was instructing the disciples here, uh, we are to, to learn and to listen. And so as we read our Bibles, as we listen to sermons, as we participate in service, as we live life, we should be asking, how now shall I live? To, to listen. I, I, I don't know if many of you know this, but I'm, um, I'm heading on to a new adventure in life <laughs> I'm going for my doctorate, and uh, I started in January, and I have to read 4,000 pages by, that's just one assignment, to read 4,000 pages by uh, May. So I'm doing a lot of reading. So if you, see, you wonder, where, where's Mike? He's probably reading. But, but I don't just want to read to get the assignment done. I've got, you know, this, I've got a stack of books that's almost this high from the ground. <laughs> and I don't just want to get through them, but I want God to teach me something. And man... My mind is exploding with ideas and exploding with new ventures, and God is just nailing me with some things and challenging me with others. And I feel like I'm just, because I'm going at this reading, I want to learn something deep with God. And that's how we should approach every opportunity we have as we spend time in God's word to say, God, what do you have for me today? What can I learn from your word today as I open up, as you do the Lent devotional? God, what are you going to speak to me today when you come to church? God, what do you have for me today? Because God speaks. He doesn't just simply, he, he, the Holy Spirit, he's been given you to help you understand God's word. Now, he may not speak audibly to you. I've never heard God audibly. Hello, Mike. I've never heard that. But I have heard God whisper thoughts into my mind that I, I don't know where that came from. But God said, spoke to me. And I knew it was from him. And how I knew it was from him, as, as, as Corinthians says, hold every thought captive to the word of God. It was in line with scripture, and therefore I knew God was speaking that way to me. And we need to listen and be instructed by God, open ourselves up to having God share with us because he does speak. The question is, are we really listening? Are we ready to listen? 
I got to get through my Bible reading. Okay, two. But take the moment, create that space, quiet yourself, focus in. God, what do you want me to learn today? Yes, read it fast, then get in the car and spend a little time meditating on it and thinking about it. Be instructed by glory. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. Incomparable greatness, unmeasurable worth, incalculable value. There is none like him. He is in a level all to himself, distinct, separate, the highest example of excellence, faultless, flawless, lacking in nothing, truly complete. Jesus is glorious. And as we follow him, learning of his glory, we are to be led to glory as we choose to follow Jesus. Be awed by glory as we choose to take his, in his magnificence. Be touched by glory as we choose to stay close to Jesus. Be instructed by glory as we choose to listen expectantly to Jesus. The question is, will you? For if you do, you will be the person God created you to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you just for the incredible vision these guys saw of your transfiguration. Thank you for the insight you've given us in the recording of that. And God, I pray that we would be in awe of you. Lord, that we would just behold your glory, take it in, and then let it reflect out to others, just like Jeanette. God, help us. Challenge us. Encourage us. Walk beside us. We want that dust to settle on us of your glory that we can be reflecting it to others. Guide us, we pray, in your son's name. Well, thank you, Mike. Thank you for the word, and thank you for coming to visit us at the uh, La Salle branch. And now we're going to prepare for communion. And as the ushers get, uh, get ready to come forward, one of, uh, one of Mike's points is that in order to experience God glory, God's glory, you have to be touched by God. And that, that always seems to me, it, it implies a sense of intimacy, uh, implies a sense of closeness. And what we're going to do today and hopefully experience in communion is that sense of closeness, that sense of intimacy with Christ. Because you can visualize yourself in that room with Christ and the disciples. It was a very quiet moment. It was a very intimate moment with Jesus and Jesus alone, where he was imparting some final thoughts because he knew where he was going. He knew what the results were going to be. And I think that what we have to do today, today, is be able to separate ourselves and experience that closeness with Jesus. And that's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite the, uh, the ushers to come forward. And as we distribute the elements, um, Try to visualize yourself in that situation where you're alone with Jesus and you have that opportunity to experience his glory, the glory of God, and you want to absorb it. You want to take it in. You want to be able to reflect it to a lost and dying world. So take this time as you hold the elements to think what it means to be alone with Jesus. Our world doesn't permit that with all of the activities and all of the, all of the noise that we're presented with every day. This is a unique and wonderful opportunity to separate yourself. So I'm going to ask the, uh, the ushers to please distribute the elements. Take this time. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, feel free to pass it on. Uh, if you'd like to know Jesus and in that close, 
intimate way, by all means, feel free to come up after service and talk with myself, Elena, or Mike, or Suzanne. Any one of us would be more than happy to explain what it means to have a close relationship with Christ, to be touched by his glory. So guys, why don't you go ahead and pass it out?